Welcome to the Washdown Podcast, episode number 48. And this week's guest is Dana Johnson. Uh, she's been on the show before, uh, been in law enforcement for over 20 years. And yeah, we just sat down and have a great conversation, cover a lot of ground as we always do whenever she's here. So I hope you guys enjoy episode number 48 of the Washdown Podcast with guest Dana Johnson. It it really is always the same. Start over here, go over here. It's a squirrel. <laughs> squirrel. That's all I do. How how is this episode gonna be? Because I have been that way lately. <laughs> it's okay, we'll figure it out, right? Yeah. We'll get Just, there. Let's go down the rabbit hole. Oh, we always do. That's like TikTok. Get me into TikTok. Oh, good Lord. No. James shared with us the other day that uh he's got his grandpa into TikTok. Nice. Yeah. It's addicting. Yeah. He Bad. said that it's, he'll just hear his phone go off and hear his grandpa giggling and he's like, get off of TikTok. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> Especially when you just want to decompress for the day. Yeah. And then you're just like this. Till yeah. 2 a.m. And you're like, oh my God, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. YouTube. No. no yeah. I don't. I can watch off-road videos. <laughs> Like just one Such right after another thing. after another. <laughs> well, hey, I'm manly yeah, man. Right? You know? yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. I mean you got a jeep. Yeah, I got a jeep. Yeah, jeep. Got a jeep that actually goes off road. Other than like, unlike some people who have. <laughs> I have an off road. <laughs> souped up Rav fours. It's not a Rav four. It has rocker rails. Uh huh. I just don't want to do the damage to it because I know I would seriously fuck that thing up bad. <laughs> I would have well, too much fun with it. Woman driver. Well, and a cop. That too. <laughs> Off road. Yeah. I'd be able to watch this hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, on an unrelated note, we've got a four day overlanding trip coming up next month if you want to go. <laughs> Where? In Arkansas. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. No, thanks. Come on. I'm going to Mexico next week. Oh, well. Thursday to, f to Wednesday, seven days. Oh, really? Let's get out of town. I can't wait. Yeah. Put my ass on a beach and give me a beer or something to drink. I'll be fine. <laughs> just like weekend at Bernie's, just let me lay there. Oh, my goodness. It'll be good. It does sound good. We haven't been to Mexico since it's probably been four years ago, five years ago, maybe. We went with some friends of ours down to Isla Mujeres. Yeah, we're going was, down to Cancun. Yeah, All it's inclusive. it's a island right off the coast of oh, nice. Isla Mujeres, uh, right off the coast of Cancun. So you have to fly into Cancun and then take a ferry over. Nice. So I think we're going to um, a dolphin excursion that's on an island that we have to ferry to. Hmm. So it'll be nice. A couple of girlfriends going. Cool. Nice. Sounds fun. Can't wait. Yeah. Well, right. is that, that the new thing for you? That's all that you got going on? That's all I get. That's really it. <laughs> My life is pretty pathetic. Besides school. Oh, what are you doing with school? So, um, I'm working on my bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. I should graduate next fall, God willing. Um, and then I have to take a entrance exam and hopefully get into doctorate of physical therapy school in Austin. That's a flex program, so that'll give me four years of um, physical therapy schooling, and then I'll be able to graduate 
do a residency and then hopefully come back, retire, and then come back to the police department as a doctor of physical therapy. Ah. And PT cops back to work. That's the idea. Oh. So we'll see how it goes. So five gonna, more years. You're going to have donuts in your office like you kept bringing us? Well, I can't. Got to keep you guys fat. Got to keep. <laughs> it's just customer yeah, retention. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say it's counterproductive. Not really. <laughs> Make sure you eat enough that you get hurt and then you come back in and you, yeah. you become well, a customer. It's, it's job security. It is. It's the same thing that, you know, every time we run a call and we're bitching about how can people be this stupid? And I'm like, that's job security. And we're in the business of stupidity. Uh, yes. Like day in and day out. That's day in it. and day out. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I. It boggles my mind sometimes. Like just the dumb crap. The audacity of some calls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The... I don't know if I've talked about it before, but whenever I was up here, up north, we got a call and it was... I don't know, one o'clock in the morning, maybe. And it's for a laceration. So the notes were, you know, blood everywhere. Oh my uh, gosh. Like, and all this, like, graphic stuff. So, so you're like, expecting quite the scene. So we are expecting, yes, we're going to go in and there's going to be blood like everywhere. Cutting. Yeah. Like somebody got stabbed in the throat. I mean, it's going to be bad. We get there. <laughs> I can tell from your face. This. <laughs> it's like a hangnail. Yeah. No. This fucking. I don't know. He probably wasn't 30 yet. He looked younger than that. Was putting together one of those Ikea desks or oh. something. And the screwdriver slipped and nicked him on his finger. It was not even bleeding. Like it was more of an indention than a. Like, I don't think that no. it ever bled. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what people call 911 for. I know. We were just having this conversation. Uh, with, we've got a couple of call takers in our current class. And we were talking about the calls that we get in. And how, yes, we need police reform. The reform would look like we're not taking these calls anymore. And we're not responding to them. Such as, don't call me, call 911, and ask how long you boil spaghetti for, because you got company coming in 30 minutes. That's not a police response. Yeah. But there's not a criminal element there. That's, that's not an emergency. That's a read the package. But, but it is an emergency to them, because they have company yeah. coming, and they have to hurry up and figure it out. We're now Google. Like, mm-hmm. Google it. You uh-huh. waited online. Yeah. Please hold. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, can't make this shit up. No, you can't. can't. Uh, you know, and we, we kind of talked about that before. I don't know if I talked with you about it, but it seems like the ability of people to use critical thinking skills and deductive we, reasoning. We had this conversation. Yeah, it's it's gone. No, we don't we don't let them. Well, I yeah, I agree. You know, that's something that nobody's pointed out. We don't allow our children mm-hmm. to make those decisions. We do it for them. Yep. Because they don't know how. We solve the, all their problems. And I've been, I've, that's a me too. Because there's been times where my kids have been in, in situations 
And it's very easy to want to jump in because you don't want to see them suffer. But it does them no good because if you let them experience the failure or whatever it is, knowing that you're right here as a guide, they figure it out. You give them the script, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like everybody wants somebody else to solve their problems and they feel like somebody else should solve their problems. And we, as emergency services, are kind of perpetuating that. Yeah. You know, we'll know, fix it. Yeah. We'll respond. In other places, like Europe, some countries in Europe, they are refusing. It's going to start getting that way with the, with our numbers, especially. It's going to have to. It's, just because of the sheer volume of calls that we are experiencing. Um, it's... It's staggering and yeah. mind-blowing, and the fact that we are now just about more short-staffed than we've ever been. Yeah. So not only have the calls went up exponentially, but you've taken away the personnel to respond to those calls. Yes. And the resources outside of the emergency services. Mm-hmm. So the government's reduced the funding, which means now people need help mm-hmm. more. And who do they reach out to? And, and we've taught them that. We want people to call 911. You're in trouble, call 911. But now we're, you and I are 911. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It, it, that, 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 that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. We it's, can't, you and I cannot fix everybody's <laughs> problems. I mean, we could. Yeah. I Honestly, I think the conversation that we're having right now, we could fix it. <laughs> I bet we could. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. every problem has been solved around <laughs> on the table uh, around the, uh, a kitchen table at a fire station or around this table in yeah. particular. Mm-hmm. It's just you know implementation. There's but yes and no because even if you implement it, what you take from here, there's always going to be a ripple effect. Absolutely. It's and how do you handle that ripple effect? Yeah. We're seeing some of that now with the homelessness. Mm-hmm. It's not really homelessness. There was an article in the paper yesterday about a woman who, um, I can't remember the name of the organization that she's with or has started, but she invited the Kansas City Star to come in and, and speak with her. Mm-hmm. She's homeless for whatever reason. She set up tent. She didn't know there was housing authority that she could have gone to to get assistance in getting housing instead of setting up a tent. But because people see Tent City, they think, oh, if I were ever in this situation, I can just set up a tent. Yeah. No, we have resources for that. I think that's, by and large, there's a disconnect with people knowing about those resources. And it's sure. it's not even just that. I mean, it's it's everything of you know resources for veterans resources for first responders for you know mental health for Mm -hmm. job placement for veterans i mean there's there's all these programs that nobody knows about and i heard um are you recording yeah so i don't know if it's true or not but there's a nonprofit called after action network Mm -hmm. have they disbanded or are they not working anymore? 
Um, I don't know how deep we want to get into that. I, I don't know if the organization is still going. Okay. Um, I do know that the person that was really pushing it has taken a step back. Sure. Sure. Um, so it can get overwhelming. Yeah. Which I think is from what I heard, that's what it was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we can talk about that afterwards. But an organization like that, who yeah. was the middle man yeah. for all those resources, the search engine, like I use their services for my dad um, in home care for him between coming out of the hospital, the hospital kicking him out for COVID and nursing home. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom couldn't do it all. So I was able to go to the website look up the resources that they had already vetted yeah. knowing that they had access to that information. Yeah. There's we're, we're there's a gap and I don't know how to close that gap. And the well, people I mean, in the resources can't I mean, housing authority has no nobody to go out and market the information for them. Yeah. Well, in a I mean basically like you said a search engine. Yeah. I mean an organization like that that can bridge that gap, but I mean if you're homeless, you don't have yeah. the internet. Well, come on, Dana. <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. I've ran homeless people with nicer phones I than I have. I'm just saying not everyone is in that position. I, I But word agree. of mouth. Yes, word of mouth. I mean. We have public libraries still. Yes. Available and open. Yeah. So I think, and again, you're talking about hurdles and things like that to that kind of stuff i mean where do you cut it off because i mean you're talking about okay well we're going to do like an organization like that for military members and all their resources okay well now we have to have a different organization for housing authority and uh, meal assistance and you know when they all typically bleed together yeah there's always a, there's there are some overlap. You know, you've seen the charts with the two circles sure. and how they, yeah. But some of those things are outside of that overlap. Sure. And I mean, it could get. I understand how it could get overwhelming trying to look up that information. However, if you need that information, <laughs> you should be willing. You to should be find motivated it. to find it. Right. You know, like. So we'll take my my old Jeep that I used to have as an example. It was a Jeep. It was a Jeep. <laughs> it was a 1995 Sweet. YJ. Sweet. Sweet nice. little one hour. <laughs> 245,000 miles. Stick shift or was it an automatic? It was an automatic. Uh, three okay. speed. Well. So uh, that's what I wanted. Okay. It had the 4.0 engine in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Jeep was great. Mm-hmm. But it was a, whenever I bought it, a 20-plus-year-old Jeep. Stuff needed to be fixed. Sure. Well, did I have some, like, little bit of mechanical knowledge? Yes, because my dad worked on cars. So, but my extent of working on cars with him was hold the flashlight. Sure. Hand me this wrench. Oh hand me and that. And all the trauma that goes with holding the <laughs> flashlight anyways. <laughs> Yeah, the totally, I just want to go play basketball. Just let me be. Yeah, I don't want to hold the flashlight. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I wanted to do that. I wanted to do it myself. 
So I went and found the information. Right. You know, I looked up videos on YouTube. I asked people, hey, I'm having this issue. What do you think it could be? You know, what are some things that I should look for? I was motivated to figure that, right. figure it out. But again, you go back to solving your own problem. Yes. And I, like you said, and I th- we're setting a dangerous precedent sure. where we're not allowing people to solve their own problem. Well, and I really think it, it begins as children. Um, so another branch to that argument is we have so many families in, in our area they're just trying to survive day in and day out. Parents are working two, three jobs. Nobody's home but the kids. They go to school. They come back. Our school system, that's a whole nother conversation. Another conversation. Truly not doing our children in the majority of the inner city justice. Um, so who's there to teach them that critical thinking? They're just on survival mode. They're trying to get, make sure that they eat one time a day. They have clean clothes or, you know, fighting off the gangs or the drugs in the neighborhood. So, I mean, it's, it's a systemic issue. Well, it absolutely is. Although I would say that it's not exclusive to no. that. And it's not exclusive to the younger generation. Mm-mm. I I would love to be able to sit here and go, yep, it's the kids. It's the kids. No. But it's not. No. But it's those, people our age. <laughs> no. Common it's sense does not. It's people older than us. us. <laughs> I we mean, had this conversation before about yeah. com- common sense. Yeah. The level of common sense that's out there is not. They need to take that phrase out of the English language. Common sense? Common sense. Why? If it was common... <laughs> We wouldn't be in a... T- <laughs> well, but it is common. You just have those kind of like the COVID breakthrough cases. <laughs> you know... I know we, we're not going there. No. But, I'd love to. I really would love to. Um, but, um, no, I think the amount, the amount of calls that we run that are oh. just ridiculous shows that it's not there. The, the common... Like common sense, if it was common, we wouldn't run the amount of dumb shit that we run. Right. So how do you how do you stop that? So if you remove the person from the problem and just look at the problem, mm-hmm. sounds like communication is a majority of the issue. Well, my because I don't think the majority of the public understands this level of stupidity that sometimes we get. And I'm not talking, when I say stupidity, I am not talking about the people who truly need help. They are calling in a crisis and they need us to respond. Uh, That's So my buddy that we had on the show the other night, he had, he made this comment because we were kind of talking about this a little bit. He said, right now we are in a time where we have an unprecedented, unprecedented amount of information overwhelming that anybody that's accessible to everyone mm-hmm. there is information out there yep. for everything unfortunately we are also at a time of unprecedentedly low wisdom because unfortunately whenever you go on your little google machine if you're looking for something you're gonna find it 
one side or the other. So it can cause that confirmation bias. Yeah. And, and not always true information though either. Yeah. That that's kind of where I was going yeah. with that. Well, and we we saw a lot of that with the um, the elections, presidential elections. Mm-hmm. The conversations were, you know, um, well, I I read the other day on Facebook that X Y Z, and so I'm going to vote so that that never happens again. Well, mm-hmm. your availability of vetting information has been reduced the abundance of information that you're getting hammered with has been increased. Yeah. Well, and then the, the trying to say this without sounding like a jackass. Oh, (laughs) too late for that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, people seem to forget that the so-called news organizations, Mass media, Fox News, CNN. They're for profit. They are for profit and they have an agenda. Sure. And they are going to report the exact same incident in two to three different ways, depending on what their agenda is. And they're in competition with each other, too. So, you know, like the other day, the stuff that's going on at the border, you know, in Texas and Del Rio. So they do an interview with... I can't remember who it was, like Secretary of the Interior, somebody that's in charge kind of of that stuff. And it was about the horses, you know, of them trying to herd. Yeah, trying to herd the people back. And they did this interview and the guy's like, no, that's their job. That's what they do. That's how they use those horses. They ride split rain to be able to control the horses in rough terrain. There's nothing wrong with what they did. Well, then... Our vice president comes out, talks about how no human should be treated that way and this and that and the other thing. And then the administration comes out and says the same thing. Immediately, another interview with this guy on a different platform. Oh, that's terrible. We're going to investigate that. Well, now it's an investigation because his, his job is on the line. Yeah. Who knows what kind of pressure he was he or she was under. So that brings us to integrity. (laughs) Right is right. Not it's not as black and white as as that Mm. always. It can be. Here's where I think we get in trouble. Yes, the world is full of gray areas. Sure, it absolutely is, and I will agree with you on that totally. But there are times, especially in situations like that, right is right. If you're going to say this, oh, agreed. Back your people up. Otherwise, you're showing a failure in leadership. So when so it's what's interesting about what you're speaking of is ethics and leadership, which mm-hmm. is a class that I'm taking right now is leadership and team building. Awesome. And it talks about ethical leadership. And the basis of ethical leadership is off of morals and values. Mhm. My morals and values and how I was raised, it may be different from other people. And how, especially in our area, we have a lot of, um, we're the melting pot. So we have a lot of different countries and immigrants that come into our area. And the ways that they were raised were different than ours. Right. Um, You're going to see everything through the lens of your perspective of your sure. life experiences. With that, though, I think we all have the common that says, 
You can't pick on our vulnerable populations, our children, our women, our older people. Leave it alone. Those crimes upset the community, the world, mm -hmm. moreover than anyone. Mm -hmm. When you start talking about ethical leadership, I think, at, in my perception, the higher you go, the less ethical you become. Not always. Yeah. But you have more decisions to make with a bigger perspective. Right. And more lives at risk. So moving people from one place to another, this job needs to be filled, but that means I have to take it from this, this pot over here. Mm -hmm. So there's more to it than as you go up in command. Right. And I get the situation you're talking about. That situation was not that situation. No, absolutely not. What you're saying with the reporter was he was not, he had, he did not have integrity because he turned his back on what he was saying Yeah. because of the pressure that he received. Yeah. I don't know. What if, okay, does it make, <laughs> so we're going to get into so, ethics. Well, yeah. So let me, let me pose this question to you. I don't know if you've saw it, but so I think it was in Tulsa. Okay. And I actually know somebody who used to work in Tulsa Fireworks for us now and just had a brief conversation with him about how they run their department, which mm -hmm. sounds like a total shit show. And Most this incident is one. So the fire, de fire department's dispatched on, it was a child, and I can't remember if it was an allergic reaction or a burn or something like that. So they get on scene, kid needs to go to the hospital, needs to go right now so they're calling for an ambulance they're waiting and waiting i think they're on scene time 15 close to 20 minutes and ambulance still isn't there and they're checking we need an ambulance we need an ambulance we got to go we got to go and oh ambulance is at least another 20 minutes out which by the way is ridiculous sure and that should never happen so the captain or lieutenant, whatever. At the, the fire department. At the fire department, makes the decision, put the kid in the truck, we're going to the hospital. Mm -hmm. He was terminated because it's against protocols. Now, I think he ended up getting his job back because sure. there was such a public outcry. But Well, and it depends on... Um, but my, my point for that is, right is right. And sometimes... You, I'll break the rules yeah. of my own department for what is right, and yeah. I will take the heat for it. Yeah. I think everybody, especially in law enforcement and in your line of work, has one of those moments where we know this is a suck sandwich. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I have to go home with what I have to go home with. Yep. I'd rather regret it later on, which I won't. Yeah. But I always follow my morals and my beliefs and my values and my integrity. If I get terminated, then that's what happens. I was looking for a job when I got this one. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with that. Not everybody has that situation. If I had a, a child at home that was disabled, severely disabled, and, and medical bills were piling up, and my income is the only income, I think that's where people start, they have that internal war with themselves. They want to do the right thing, but if I lose my job. Yeah, and I get it. 
it's it, so there's and when you speak of ethics there's um there's always that that question in ethics class about you have um a train track right mm-hmm. and on one side of it you have one person and on the other you have six mm-hmm. so who do you save the one or the six well the it sucks because yeah. somebody's got to go yeah <laughs> you don't know who yeah. but somebody's got to go well and i like how they do the you get the one is a child yes and six, there's always something yeah there's always something six felons or six you yeah. know repeat offenders or whatever yeah. rapists yeah if you will who do you pick yeah what yeah i know <laughs> philosophy well but back to your to circle back which i know we always do to circle back to the situation you were describing that right there is the reason why people do not trust the media they do mm-hmm. not trust the information being pushed out by the government regarding anything anymore whether it's the vaccine whether it's covid people are second guessing everything and as they should yeah do your own research but make it research yeah don't fall into that one analysis paralysis where you're just inundated with information and you don't it's do easy anything to do. yeah it's easy to do or don't go on and just seek confirmation bias right you know just look for viewpoints that agree with yours right like we talked about it the other day there's you know a dude on tiktok or instagram or something i don't know but he's like hey you know he was talking about that he's like look searches google is coffee bad for you oh there's people that will say it's great for you and people say it's terrible for you but on your little google machine you can find a million articles of how coffee's bad for you Sure. And then if you do, oh, is coffee good for you? Well, then there's a million articles. Sure. Coffee's good for you. So whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it. You need to be able to look at both sides of the issue or both sides of your question and take that information in and make your own decision. But that's so not only uh, so I'm going to branch off from there. Okay. So so especially during the presidential elections leading up to people who used to be friends stopped being friends because of the opposition. It was so much. It was like a hate relationship. Mm-hmm. The benefit of having people that are not like-minded is that I get to hear your viewpoints from your perspective. Mm-hmm. We get to have intelligent conversations. Again, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that. Intelligent Agree conversations. To it's disagree. not, hey, it's nothing against you mm-hmm. personally. I don't agree with your your viewpoint. I don't mm-hmm. agree with your stance. But I'm glad you you felt comfortable having that conversation. Since when can we not have conversation? If you have ten people who are the same like minded, you now have group think. Mm-hmm. You're in an echo chamber. It's not gonna. It makes you feel good mm-hmm. that you didn't have any conflict. Conflict is not bad. Yeah. Conflict is good. Yeah. Like a lot can come from good con- yeah. conflict. You're able to learn and grow when you're out of your comfort zone. If you if you just surround yourself with people who think just like you do, yeah. then you're never going to grow. And like mm-hmm. you said, groupthink. You're in an echo chamber. I mean, any type of little analogy you want to put towards sure. it, but ultimately it leads to stagnation sure. and then division because you're so closed off to what anybody else might say that it doesn't matter if... We're talking and I say, the sky is blue. 
well, because you disagree oh, yeah, with yeah, me yeah. about yeah. this. Yep, 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 yeah. It's like the Martians from Sesame Street. Yep, oh, yeah. yep, 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 yep. Yeah. But then at the same time, you're not able to create a, a script so that when you um, have problems or issues, you're not able to go outside that box and solve it. You keep doing it the same way over and over and again. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. Well, it's not working because you don't, you've maxed your growth. Mm-hmm. You need to go outside of that. Yeah. Well, and doing something over and over again and expecting a different result. That it's is the definition, definition of insanity. Who says that? Yeah. Whose quote was that? Do you know? That's the dictionary's quote. No, not the dictionary's <laughs> quote. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to Google it. Oh, yeah. But I, I think it's um, Albert Einstein uh, who said. Uh, he may have. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is the pure definition of insanity. Yeah. See what Google sure, said. Google's going to tell me what I want it to tell yes, me. Yes, you know, it is. Because your phone is listening to you and just heard you say Albert Einstein. Yeah. So I'm going to have a bunch of feed that pops up that says insanity. Insanity. Yeah. yeah. Insanity plus Albert Einstein. Did you mean? <laughs> well, I have Android. I don't know that it does that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have Android. Hey, Google. <laughs> Are you listening? Oh, even your phone doesn't want to listen to you. No. Now. <laughs> like, stop talking. Please stop talking. Do you ever stop talking? Who said the pure definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? Albert Einstein. Well, there you go. <laughs> you got your gold star for the I day. I did. Well, since you're the smart one, you can lead the conversation from now on. <laughs> I am weirdly intelligent, but I'm not smart. Like, I can be intelligent. Mm-hmm. I'm not always I, smart. There's a lot of questions on whether or not my hair really is blonde. <laughs> 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 no, it's just great. Oh. Well, book smart. Book smart, that's I what, guess. That's what we used to say. Oh, he's book smart. <laughs> it's a good thing you're smart. Yeah. <laughs> I think I told my daughter that. It's a good thing you're cute. Ooh. That is, maybe that's not something you want to tell your kid. Mm-hmm. She's 21. She's still she's cute. Still. Yeah. I mean, she's still in that, her brain's not fully formed yet. Well... <laughs> You could have scarred her for life. Now she's going to have Again, mommy issues. Okay. No, she won't have mommy. Well, for, yes, she will because I'm her mother. I've I've ruined her for life. Um, so she is in nursing school. She's getting her bachelor's in, in nursing mm-hmm. um, locally. So in class, so she's, she calls me and she says, you've really done me wrong. And I'm like, okay, what did I do wrong? I what now? Yeah. <laughs> a thousand and one that I yeah. know what I've done. wrong. <laughs> she says, I was in class today and the, the teacher doesn't know what to make of me because we're doing this math and the, the, mo- the majority of the class is having a hard time understanding this math, whatever this math is. Mm-hmm. But I understand it completely. And I was able to share with my, my peers how to, how to work through the problems. But then on the test, there was a question about a clock. 
Do you know where I'm going with this? Yes. She could not read a clock. She couldn't tell what the difference between the small hand and the long hand was. And I'm like, dear God, I know for hours we went over how to read a clock. So I said to her, tell me what the clock says, because I have a big one in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. It, she's like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, what are those numbers? Those aren't even real numbers. They were Roman numerals. And I'm like, oh. Don't ever show her a rotary phone. I would love to. I think that would be fun. In fact, that would be hilarious for one of your next episodes is to get a young buck in here, hook the line up so you get a dial tone, and then have them call. Now, you may not remember this, but at one time, before cell phones were really um, normal, mm-hmm. uh, that everybody had access to one, mm-hmm. so 9899, we had a phone number that mm-hmm. we could go to a phone booth pick up the phone, put a quarter in, mm-hmm. dial the number, it would take us to dispatch. And we could talk to our dispatch if our radios were out. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we hung up, we got the quarterback. It, you, we don't need that now. There's yeah. no f- <laughs> pay phone phones. Booths, pay phones. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You, you do realize I'm not that much younger than you are. I right? know, but yeah, I, still. I know what pay phones are. <laughs> but, do you rem- <laughs> but that aspect of the job, though. Oh, no. I, okay. didn't, I didn't come on until 04, so. Right. Yeah. I mean, you need pay phones, but. Yeah. Yeah. No. There was a special number that you could call. I Yeah. I didn't know it that. It was cool. That's, yeah. You got your quarterback. I got that's my quarterback. Cool story. What? <laughs> Fuck, that's like five minutes of my life I'm not going to get back. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> You Insights edit. of being a cop. <laughs> uh, not all of us can sit at the station and play video games. Some of us actually had to do work. You know, it just sounds like jealousy to me. That's Really? I don't have... No. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've just never. having to ride around in a car and eat fast food all the time. <gasps> Shut your oh, mouth right there. Yeah. I didn't eat fast food a lot. Did you meal prep? I No. So it, but it was different because like Quick Trip didn't used to have the food that it has now. So yeah. it's a little bit better now f- for people, I think. Um, but I worked nights, so there wasn't at the time there weren't overnight places open. Yeah. So yeah. you were you had to get to, to Taco Bell to get your gordita by eleven o'clock, or you weren't going to eat again until like five or six in the morning when they opened back up. Yeah. So it was a little bit different. So yeah, we would we snarf Taco Bell. Yeah. That's back when my stomach could take it. I can't take. No. I can't. I can't do it now. Taco Bell is not happening now. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Every now and again, I'm like, oh, Mexican pizza sounds really good, and then I remember why. Double decker tacos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember that? That was my um, jam. What were they called? Um, it was like a just a cheese or a beef. Burrito? No. Gordita? Mm-mm. Chalupa? Mm-mm. It was like like you could get two for a buck. I'll have to... Uh, yeah. I'll have to look at the menu from like 19... I'll have to Google <laughs> it later. <laughs> Taco Bell menu from... <laughs> 19 decade <and> 2. <laughs> you shit. never know what you're going to get when you get me on the on the show. Uh, No. And all the stuff we talked about beforehand that we were going to talk about, we are 
40 minutes in and haven't even got close. That's okay. We yeah. can go over it pretty quick. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got time. I don't have to go get Rachel until like noon tomorrow, so. How is, well. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. So. So we were talking about, before before we hit record, we were talking about a very recent event that is kind of shaken a lot of our agencies very close to home. It makes me very sad. But <clears throat> an officer was shot in the line of duty last week in the head. I don't know what's worse, right? Being shot in the head in the line of duty or that the fact that the kid was like literally a kid. He was 22. I have a kid that age. Yeah. So I don't know of those or the accumulation of all of it and the fact that cops are just we're just done, tired, sick of it, right? I, I wouldn't say we're sick of it. It just seems like we're, we keep getting the hits and we get, cannot get a break. So with that, one of the things we were talking about, <clears throat> now the funeral's tomorrow. Um, police funerals, um, I think both of our lines of work are very rich in tradition. Yeah. Love that aspect of it. Yeah. You know what to expect. Yeah. You know what to expect, but you never want to see it. Um, I will say, <clears throat> well, I don't want to see it for the reasons of the tragedy. To me, it it's the kinsmanship. It pulls us back together as one. Yeah. So COVID kind of ruined, side, side note, COVID ruined our memorial celebrations. Yep, sure did. Canceled and, ours two years in a row. And because of that, we weren't able to celebrate the death of those who came before us. There is something to be said for the 21 gun salute, standing in uniform and standing in the heat, trying not to pass out or buckle your <laughs> knees. Don't be that one. Don't lock right? them out. Don't lock them out. <laughs> you better go touch, toe, toe, heel, heel, touch, toe, toe, heel, heel. You know, making sure that you're saluting properly, that you're you're not zoning out, that you're present in the moment. Um, we're very rich in traditions. I craved a lot of that being back together as one because it's, you know, the Chauvin situation and George Floyd turned us against each other, right? So we're no. now against each other in some aspects. But looking at the situation that we have at hand, I would really like it not to be this kid. I just hope some really good stuff comes of it. And I don't know what that's going to be. I know it's helped one officer already. What in Smithville was it that received one of his organs? Mm, I don't know. I hadn't heard anything about that. <clears throat> he was an so. organ donor. And mm. I think somebody has already received one of his organs. And it saved his life. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for a positive, that's a big one. But yeah, I mean, hopefully, I don't know. 
like new protocols, new training, new something, or maybe just, I don't want to get like super political, but people will take the blinders off their eyes or get their head out of their ass. And, you know, it's really disheartening whenever you know you see people in our profession make the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. and you know the I don't know what I'm trying like like I said, I'm trying not to be too political about sure. it, but, you know, there's a, a feeling or a sentiment held by individuals, some individuals in this country, that no matter what happens, they're not going to change that. Sure. You know? Sure. And unfortunately, it is pervaded a lot of people. Now, I'm not saying everybody's like that because there's not, you know, there's still people out there that thank us for what we do and give a shit about us. I don't want to be thanked. Yeah. And that's part of another conversation, though, that we're starting to see some numbers from that. Yeah. So, but they appreciate. Sure. You know, and they realize that. We're of value. Our job is of value. Yeah. I mean... Otherwise, what is it? The Wild West? Well, you, we go from a, a narrative of defund, get rid of, mm-hmm. and bring in social services. Absolutely bring in social services. But what, in front of guns? Yeah. How do you communicate with an individual when there's, you can't even get them down to a point yet, right? Mm-hmm. So protection's number one. So you go from a narrative where cops aren't wanted to a narrative of, we know people still support us. It's a silent few. It's a silent many. Um, we're seeing that now with this officer's death. We need to hear it more. They need to outspeak those who are the naysayers. It's becoming, uh, again, tolerance of each other's thoughts and processes and and disagreements but it needs to be coming towards a common good and that's where we're not getting is to that good coming to a productive end of the the constant argument and hate needs to stop because it's not doing anyone any good yeah well and that's what it is it's there's never resolution there's never a solution right you know like we're hearing constantly get rid of the police Okay. So what's so what reform? Absolutely. Sign yeah. me up. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Whenever somebody breaks into your house, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Or somebody steals your car. You know, I mean Minneapolis is voting this week or next week on whether to abolish their police department. I think the last numbers that I saw is something like a 200% uptick in crime. 
I mean, there's no correlation there at all. Less sure police, more not. crime. Well, so then what, what ends up happening is you do continue to get rid of your police department. Fine. Now your crime continues to stay the same. Now people start moving out of your city. Mm-hmm. Who's paying taxes? Who's participating in your government? And then you live in Detroit. Right? Mm-hmm. So then the economy, I mean, there's so many factors involved. Mm-hmm. As one person I know likes to say, multifactorial. I, I had to be careful <laughs> with saying that word because I, that's not how it would come out of my mouth. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, we can sit here on a podcast and we can talk about it and, you know, and we can look at one small issue or one small part of it. But it's a chain reaction. It, it is. Like you said before, it's a ripple effect of, mm-hmm. okay, well, we can fix this, but then this is going to be the result of that. You know, and a lot of that stuff is if you sit down and really think about it and have some foresight and look at what's going to happen in, you know, five years, 10 years. I mean, you don't have to be Nostradamus and like be predicting the future, but you can look from past tendencies, read a history book, look at what's going on elsewhere in the world. It's weird (laughs) that you would say to learn from history and then prevent to to truly learn from history is to not do it again. Yeah. A- and then we're right back to where we were before. Mm-hmm. But if they're not teaching the history in the schools. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you remember from high school. <laughs> My high school years were great. There was yeah. a lot of hairspray involved. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I'd love to say I'm shocked, but I'm not. Mm. Yeah. Tight rolled jeans. There's there's a lot of Def Leppard being played Ooh, in that car. Yes. Yeah. On um, my Discman. <laughs> <laughs> On the dashboard. Did you have the uh, tape player that converted your tape player to yeah. a Discman? Well, yeah. Well, you had yeah. to. Yeah. Wasn't fancy. I had a stabilizer, too. It was really cool. Oh, you were yeah. rich kid. Well, no, I worked Hardee's. It's <laughs> <laughs> my first job. Hi, welcome uh, to Hardee's. May I help you? <laughs> Uh, it's like you're a natural. Um, anyway, back to my point. <laughs> so, and I remember this vividly. So, in I think it was sophomore, maybe a junior in high school, we got our world history textbook. Right? World history. And this book is, I mean, it's thick. They killed a bunch of trees to make this book. We had it for a whole year because that's the way that we sure. did ours. It was... You know, one class, yeah, one entire year, yeah. We made it mm, ten chapters in of like a eighty chapter book, mm-hmm. and we got up to like maybe the seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds. That was it. So anything that happened after that wasn't taught. Now I don't remember that, but I do know that. Um we did not learn about the Vietnam War. Yeah. My father was in, in the Vietnam War. So part of my college education has been to learn about the Vietnam War. And luckily, it was at a time before he started losing his memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so we could have, he never spoke of the Vietnam War. He never spoke of it. Um, growing up, we didn't have guns in the house. He just, we didn't discuss it. 
now he would make comments. Uh, I'll say he he kind of did. <laughs> he, he when you were getting your butt chewed, he was like, "I'm gonna make you. <laughs> I'm gonna make you get on all fours and bay like a bunch of damn sheep, like my drill instructor did." Da, 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 da. Anyways, having that knowledge and being able to have a conversation with somebody who was actually there. Mm-hmm was amazing and it was we were able to connect over it i was able to ask him questions about ho chi Minh and the trails and the and that took him to a really dark place but yeah the depression the great depression Mm -hmm. did you learn about the great depression very coursery yeah it was very very small great depression it was bad here's what what caused it here's what came of it and then the, the industrial age mm-hmm. so my great-grandmother i remember calling her for an interview um for a paper for the great depression so it, you get bits and pieces of it but unless it truly impacts your life in a way personally i don't think you're ever going to connect with it there's too much information for these kids to grapple with and our test scores are still down i mean that's a whole nother conversation again mm-hmm but they don't know the lessons to learn from. Yeah. Well, you know, they're graduating kids in California that can't read. Oh, we're graduating kids in our city yeah. that cannot read. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not shocked. Real quick sidebar, since you brought up Vietnam. Um, if you're interested in learning more about that and from actual people that were there, Jocko Wilnick does a great podcast. Um, and he is always interviewing guys from there. And they've got crazy stories yeah i've heard my dad's given me a couple yeah well he rough. he's interviewed uh one guy john striker meyer who was you know the original yeah. special forces group um sog yeah yeah and they some of those stories are like it's you, almost you, too much i don't want to yeah. get into yeah, yeah. It, that's they it don't can, even do that triggering. in movies right yeah so yeah if you're interested and not going to get triggered. It depends on the like, day. Like I a mean, millennial. Oh <laughs> well, I was going to take the female aspect of it, oh. depending on the, the crazy chart oh. where I was going to go with that. Right, but, you right. Know, I'll, I'm not a millennial. Uh, it's an extra yeah. man. Yeah. So. yeah. One of the guys at my old station, he's like, what year were you born? Told him. He's like, oh, you're a millennial. I'm like, uh-uh. No, I'm not. Nope. I'm one year too young or too old for that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it matters. Mm-hmm. It makes a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. So, it, you know, I say that jokingly, you of know, course. because there's it's it, stereotypes. It, it, it's it's a all stereotype. about stereotypes. There's some kind of stigma attached to it of, you know, they're soft or whatever. And, you know, I'm sure the boomers thought we were soft, though, too. Oh, absolutely. So I think every generation has that preconceived conce- um, stereotypes of yeah. the generations. Yeah. Oh, this generation. Oh, there's no way. They're well, not. we say that about new cops and new fire. Oh, absolutely. Out too. These kids are. These they're idiots. Oh my God. What are they doing? Like, yeah, it's <laughs> it's real easy to forget. Do you know that. what I was doing when you were born? <laughs> yeah. And it got long enough. Yeah. Well, and it's easy to forget that we were that idiot too yeah, at one point in time yeah innocent stars in our eyes mm-hmm. thought we were gonna save the world yep 
I'm going to be a hero. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to be. Yeah. I was going to carry a gun and boss men around. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Didn't know I had a woman's liver on the well, show. I, that at the time, that mm-hmm. was a big deal to me to make it through because I'd always been told I'd never make it. How did that I don't know. How did that affect your mental health? Back then I was it was everything was new. Mm-hmm. It was a new experience. I was ready to take on any and I think that's part of critical thinking though too. I'm going to make that connection real quick. Mm-hmm. Is being open to experiences. And no matter how it's going to turn out, I was ready and open to see what was going to come on. Come next. I I had no I had no <laughs> I was so dumb. <laughs> It did not dawn on me that I would be working at night in the cold, outside, like outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I, in the snow, mm-hmm. too? Huh. Yeah. It's weird. You know, I, now that you bring that up, I don't think it really dawned on me either. <laughs> I, don't think, we, I just wanted to be a cop. Yeah. That, you know, I would get woken up at two in the morning to go to a house fire with a foot of snow on the ground, icy steps, and yeah. Be careful. Yeah. And then, you know, get all wet inside the house fire because we're spray, <laughs> and then come outside and freeze. freeze up. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, be on that car wreck on the highway and it's two degrees outside and you're out there for- I almost felt the cold. Right there, because you know you've had those oh. nights where you oh, just yeah. breathe, and it's like it, it hurts. I'm, I'm, I cannot wait to yeah. be home. And newsflash, people, bunker gear, not warm. Oh, it's a tough. <laughs> yeah, oh, to be in your bunker gear for a little bit, and then to go back to the station. Yeah, oh, that's hard. It's it's, it's so terrible. hard for them. You know what? Because we get it all, it makes you all sweaty. Oh. And then we have to curl in of our cl- covers yeah. all, yeah. all sweaty. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we have to change our uniform. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Before or after heating up the cocoa at the station? Um, you know, it depends. It's not really <laughs> cocoa. I mean, it's we do coffee. 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 And sometimes that, if, you know, we, we're going to get fancy, we'll throw a little cocoa in the coffee. Sure. So. That is the one thing. We were talking about that today is the coffee. Mm-hmm. Coffee has been the lifeblood of both of our professions. Oh, yeah. Since the beginning. Oh, yeah. Like, if you can't drink a cup of black coffee, that oh, used to be, and yeah. now this younger generation, they don't really oh, drink yeah, the no. coffee. They're bringing in the, the iced, mm-hmm. and it's like. Yeah, or creamers at the station now. <laughs> well, Caramel <different>. macchiato, <laughs> Italian cream. I know. It is pretty good, though. Yeah. Well, oh, no, I love caramel macchiato sure. coffee. I mean, it's fantastic. I think I have some upstairs. And I mean, I'll have to show you Rachel's new coffee thing that she got her for we got for a housewarming present. Oh, it's like it makes I I don't know what it does. It's a lot. Let's just say that it goes. And yeah, okay. it's one of those. Mm -hmm. But yes, I like that stuff. I'm not saying I don't. But what I'm saying is whenever I came on the job, it was the (laughs) black coffee that could put hair on your chest quick. And anymore, nope. If you make it too strong at the stations now, it's like, it's no, better. we're not drinking. And it's not even, it's not even really the younger guys. I mean, some of the older guys that have been on for a long time. It's starting to hurt their stomachs. Yeah. <laughs> it's eating like, holes. Yeah. They're like, oh, that's too strong. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
I'm just not going to make the coffee. Well, when anymore. it comes time for nap time, they can't sleep because it's got too much caffeine in it. Um, <laughs> it, maybe I don't know. You, what's What's funny is how many conversations we've had after having such a serious conversation about the shooting that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very typical of cops that we go, we talk about it, the hard stuff real quick. Yep. And then we get off of it. Yep. And then we come back and then we get off of it. Get back. Well, and I think part of that is, I mean, it's almost probably like a coping mechanism. Yeah. So you're dealing with it in small doses. You're not taking the whole, if you look at it as a big piece of pie. Sure. You're not trying to eat the whole pie at once. You're taking a little bit, okay, and then a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until you get done. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it's to each their own. Yeah. Everybody's going to cope with and talk about that stuff in a different manner. And I mean, that's one of the things, whatever you talk about mental health and therapy for anybody, really. One modality or one treatment plan, it's not a one size fits all. No, you can't. It's it's really not. Where, you know, EMDR might work for somebody, for it's this one person. guaranteed to work for the other. Yeah. For the other person, it could be the worst thing that you could try. But you tried. But you tried. And you have to keep searching for whatever it is that's going to work for you. Sure. Um, so when you talk about coping... Make your point. <laughs> <laughs> so we were when we were talking about how people cope with it, we talked about this before we started. The ripple effect of the officer being shot, some of the things that we're not thinking about or that's not evident. We have recruits in the academy right now. We have a regional academy. Those recruits are just learning the basics of being police, right? They're still grasping at ideas. They're getting bits and pieces at their their full plate. Now we have this major incident, and it's forcing them to take a look at, am I ready to sacrifice my life for the job? Speaking to several of the females, they had a really hard time with that. Everybody has to come to terms with that before they walk out on that street, in my opinion. You have to be willing and ready to take that sacrifice. And if you're not willing to do it, it's absolutely okay. But you need to have that in consideration. So. Absolutely. Well, and it was, I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's it goes along with that. There are aspects of our job sure. that either you have to be able to do. And aspects that you need to know about and be prepared for in the event that it happens. So whenever I was talking to a friend of mine who is a battalion chief, you know, talking about getting promoted and all of that stuff. And I made a comment about, you know, riding out as chief, like what's expected once I become captain and all of that. And he goes, you know, he goes, here's what I always pose. The, the question to any floating captain that's in my district and whenever they ask me about that. And I ask them one simple question. If you are in incident command 
and you're at a fire and you have people trapped or lost and it's to the point where that building's coming down or you know something's going to happen are you ready and prepared to pull everybody else out and leave those people in there because that's a decision heaven forbid i hope you never have to make it right but it is within the realm of possibility that you will have to can you you make that decision make that decision and make it fast no hesitation yeah not hey i'm going to think about this for 10 or 15 minutes let me come back to you on that yeah yeah so you can't you can't do that no because ultimately more lives are at stake mm-hmm. so instead of losing one or two or three now you're losing five six seven eight and be prepared for the aftermath yeah because you're going to have every single person on that scene looking at you. you right so, but yeah, the whole, and I think that's by and large, maybe some people know coming in to our professions that dying is a possibility. I think most people, sorry, I shouldn't have been drinking Pepsi. <laughs> kicking my ass. Um, it needs to be burped. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh most people seem to always think that it would happen to somebody else and not them. Oh, yeah. That's the easiest way to think about it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think... Because I'm confident in my abilities and my skills. Exactly. And the last time it happened was when? Mm-hmm. So, to several, it, you know, it, it's having 24 years of service, this is not the first time we've lost someone. Unfortunately, you begin to disassociate with it, right? The incident happened. I will grieve it in my own way, in my own four walls. But being open and available to those young men and women, and I say young because typically they are going through our academies, to let them be vulnerable enough to grieve is difficult without it affecting you personally and it Mm -hmm. is hard to see someone else but what i would say to them is (laughs) honey art none of us are gonna come out of this alive whether it's a bullet or it's hit by a car or in a car accident or when my number's up my number's up so until that time i'm gonna do everything i can to do what's right it's hard to say right yeah because I think we're putting ourselves more at risk. We have more opportunities for those situations to arise for us. Mm-hmm. But there's so many of us who make it through to retirement. I would say more than not. Mm-hmm. We're fortunate. Yeah. I feel like we need to <laughs> like <laughs> not, throw some holy water yeah, and burn oh. some sage. <laughs> I'll be burning some sage. Yeah. Um, but. So on day two of the news after math, I talked with the, I tried to mentor the young women because we did not have someone there for us to kind of give a guide us along. Like, what do you do when you have things that, you know, women have to deal with more so than men in the field? Um, I asked one of the recruits, how are you holding up? And she says, I'm so sick 
of people asking me that question. I'm not good. I'm not going to be good. And I said, right on i mean (laughs) sorry all right but i get it right we're shoving peer support down these kids throats forcing them to grieve they're not ready to grieve and they're certainly not going to do it in a classroom yeah there is a lot of and especially with law enforcement that group um, briefing, debriefing. The, the group debriefing can have negative effects. Absolutely. So now I will say that with a caveat that it can have positive effects too. Sure. And there's been just a tiny bit of research about why it goes one way or the other. And some of it boils down to department culture. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of aspects and variables. And, and I think it depends on the group too. It, it depends on the group and the individual's in the group. Sure. Um, I mean, you know as well as I do, if they're sitting in there with maybe old salty. Right. They're not. They're not going to open up. No. You know, or, you know, if it's a mixed group of. If you have command staff in there. I I mean, it all depends on the perceptions involved. Um, I'll take that one step further, not to fly the feminist flag. That's not. Oh, but you're going to fly it anyway. No, I hang on a minute. (laughs) But, you know, um, crying is weakness. It is viewed socially as a weakness. No, that's because it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make you cry. (laughs) I'm going to hurt your feelings real bad here in a minute. You're poking the eye and be like, why are you crying? There's no crying in, in football. Um, that's it's the, baseball, I know, I get it. But anyways, um, so we we are teaching these young recruits week two to suck it up. One week we're telling them, suck it up. There's no crying. You want to cry, you take it to your safe space. Now women, I stress cry. If I get to a certain level, God help you if I get to a certain level and there's a tear. Oh, get back in there. <laughs> we have to hold it together so that we can solve whatever issue we are handling. There's a level of command presence that we need to maintain. It is difficult to hold all those emotions back. So you teach people, hold your emotions back, put it in check, put it in check. There's no crying. But now we're going to sit you in a room with peer support and shove it down your throat until you can't stand it anymore. So what is it? Do I cry? Do I not cry? Do I cry? Do I not cry? And then you want me to open up my emotions to a group because now 20 years down the line, I can't have those conversations. Yeah. So, and I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to be more open and make sure that this incident doesn't scar, you know, going forward and cause problems going forward. Right. So that's the idea. Um, And that you catch those that need. Exactly. And you're trying to teach them compartmentalization. Okay. You, you, you can't cry. You have to function right now. Right. You have to handle the problem, whatever. 
And then, okay, now it's it okay. Later. Yeah, deal with it later. Now, okay, now's the time to deal with it. So long um, as you deal with it. Yes. So it's, yeah, it's one of those things where they're, I, I get the idea of what they're trying to do. It's just maybe not in the best way. But I don't know another way. I know. That's the, right? That's the kicker of it. You know what? Here's what I'll say. At least they're doing something. Sure. Absolutely. It, it's not, okay, suck it up. Right. You know, just, when I first came on, that would never have happened. Oh, yeah. Um, we even had um, the chaplains come in now that we're expanding our chaplain program. Mm -hmm. um, I had asked that the chaplains come in for anyone in our headquarters. If they, if I, I don't know who that person knew. I don't know that my coworkers don't know that person or how it's going to affect them. I don't know how it's going to affect anyone. If we have these processes and these people in place for this type of stuff, activate them. If mm -hmm. they sit in a room for eight hours and no one comes down to talk to them, we can say we were available. Yes. If we have one person that takes advantage of that, that's one person. If we didn't have it activated, who knows what, what could happen. So Yeah. Well, I mean, you're illustrating the whole point of this stupid podcast. <laughs> it's not a stupid <laughs> podcast. Stop saying it's stupid. <laughs> How many episodes are you now? So you will be, I think, episode number 48. Oh, good. <laughs> or 49, even. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I could have... Congratulations. Could have held you off to where you... Episode number 52, and that would have been like our year anniversary. Aww. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like one blowout, like just... That'd be great. Yeah. Or a montage, even. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. Best moments. <laughs> Snippets. Snippets. Just blur it real quick. Yeah. <laughs> just, just an hour of just <laughs> images. Yeah. Laughing. Yeah. Ah, ha, ha. There's been some of that. There's been a lot of that. Yeah. So, yeah, but, and, you know, getting back to the whole compartmentalization thing, that's what we were taught in the academy. Yeah. But we were taught you don't bring your feelings to work. You no. Put, you put them in a box under your bed. You can have them back when you get home. Okay. In the safety of your four walls. We didn't get that part of the speech. Well, the the I, part of the speech was, or the whole speech was, you take your feelings, you put them in a box, you put them under your bed, come to work. Then whenever you get home, you can have your feelings back. Okay. So that's basically compartmentalization. Mm -hmm. What do you do with those feelings when you get them back? Well, who wants to open <laughs> up that box? Yeah. So you've nobody, been on a long shift all day, and you've dealt with some of the worst things that we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. You honestly want to go home and deal with your feelings? No. Sorry, the Golden Girls TV show looks much better <laughs> than my feelings. We're dealing with family issues or yeah. marriage issues or Yeah, or demons. anything else. Yeah. So, Yeah. So, I don't know. At least they're doing something. They're doing something. I, so. I am proud of what has has happened so far. Yeah. Um, we're getting better. I, yeah. I don't know what I the would, future looks like. but Yeah. I don't know. With the rate of burnout and everything else. I mean, so we're seeing mental health services for law enforcement 
and fire go up, right? Resources. So we've got programs and therapists and nonprofits, and we have all of these resources that are starting to take effect and come into being. Right. The ability to go to them Mm -hmm. without there being such a A huge stigma. stigma. It's, It's starting to get there. Sure. Right? Slowly but surely. But the people that are needing to use those resources is climbing. Yeah. You know, because, again, I don't want to harp on it, but we're understaffed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. More situations. Shipped. Yeah, it's, you're just, like, it's, the resources aren't keeping up with the demand, I guess. I saw a number once that said that um, an officer goes through 188 critical incidents a year. So if we're down even half staffed, that number's now doubled. Theoretically, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know the science behind it. Right. I don't. The numbers aren't being kept. Yeah. Right. There's. There's no. Well, why would they want to keep those numbers? Right. <laughs> well, so I think they will, just yeah. like vets. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the research is going to start coming out. Yeah. And there's some governmental programs that are coming down. So that's another conversation to have. Um, trying to stay middle of the road yeah. on that is that um, the government is responding to society's cry to fix police departments. So what are they doing? They control the money. Mm-hmm. Grants. You want grant money, that's fine, but you have to now go through racial profiling training every single year for an hour or whatever. That's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, training is training. I don't care. Yeah. Um, open conversations, okay. Um, oh, now d- domestic violence in law enforcement at that class okay two classes three classes four classes two days on already short staffed Mm -hmm. that you're pulling out of the field yeah no i I, so i now i get to hurry up and go back to work yeah (laughs) i i mean and it's a dilemma the whole training thing of we're short staffed, we need people in the field, but yet we need more training. And okay, for more training, we need more money. We need more good training. Yeah. Good training. You can, oh, I can sit in it. a classroom. I just went through this last week. We had two days of in service. And on top of those two physical days in class on site, we had one full day of videos. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I have been through. So and we were talking about this with Scott yesterday <laughs> about training because he asked us about, you know, how what we train on the fire department right. and stuff like that. So when we were kind of. He's got a family. It's like he's here. But uh-huh. his family is fire department, too. Yeah. Back in New York. Yeah. Well, he was, too. He was a volunteer. Oh, well, that's yeah. that speaks volumes so for him. That's want to be host dragger. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why? He's Can't awesome. to the dark side. Yeah. It's like, dude, what went wrong? Uh, he saw all the pretty cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, anyway, so, but we were talking about it. And, you know, whenever you have a large department, like we both have, cycling everybody through that training. So, like, he was kind of telling us how you mm-hmm. guys do it of, you know, you have, you may pull people from, 
this area to fill in or whatever. Yeah. So we don't have that. So whenever a company goes out of service to train, there's just a hole there. Yeah, but you have a lot of companies. You have a lot of stations in the city. It's a little we, bit easier. We can talk about that off camera. <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, like that's a threat. Yeah. Um. It, Actually, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, but basically, so you're trying to cycle all of mm -hmm. these people through. And, you know, we may have this building for three days. Sure. We got three shifts. So everybody on that shift has to get through in that day. Yeah. So, hurry up. Get yeah, it done. It's hurry up. Get it done. No questions. No questions. Yeah. Just get it done. And then if it's something like, okay, diversity training or some other Sure. Training. You know, it used to be we had to go somewhere and do that and sit through some kind of class or whatever. And now it's on a tablet. Right. Which is nice. Yeah. Which is nice when it works. Yeah. Doesn't. But that's that's another. We pay attention yeah. to because some of it is so dry. It's like and if I've been up for 10 hours. Yeah. Come on, man. But, so my. I guess my point is, you know, yes, we need to train. We need to be proactive on that kind of stuff, but whenever you're short-staffed, whenever you're okay. The demand. I'm, the demand, call demand, is so high, you know, like. You so can I'll only just pull you, in so many different directions before Yeah, there's nothing left to pull. So I'll give you an example. So whenever I came on, the busiest station in our city ran, I don't remember the exact number, but we'll just say 3,000 calls. And okay. how, how long of a period? In a year. In a year. In a year. They ran 3,000 calls. So what, 10-ish ten, so, calls a day? Yeah, something like that. Okay. The busiest company. Comes math. Yeah. I did that without calculator. Again. Donuts. <laughs> donuts. 10 donuts a day for 365. So, but by comparison, so that's in the, we'll call that the urban core. Sure. Right. So then you go to the outskirts, the busiest company in a different part of the city, they were running 1,200 calls a year. Almost half. So, yeah, just a little less than half. Right. So fast forward 15 years. So that station up north is now running 4,000 calls a year. Mm -hmm. And the station that's in the urban core is well over 6,000. Right. So that's in 15 years, call volumes have more than doubled in some areas, more than tripled in other areas. Yeah. We haven't added any more people. Mm -mm. But your calls are being added. Yeah. The different types of calls that you're responding to have oh, been absolutely. added to. Absolutely. But you've gotten rid of the downtown one. You don't have to come to our building anymore. Uh, well, yeah, that's, I never had to, well, I take it back. I worked at that station for half a shift and I did those have to run that place. tired slick of having to come into our building. That's the only thing those guys did anyway, well, so. That's another conversation. Yeah. That's a joke for anybody at that station who knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's a that's, joke. Oh, they'll be fine. Don't take offense. They'll be fine. Yeah. So, but, well, sure. you know how it is. If I work in this part of the city, so I'm the only person who does anything. Sure. Or, you know. Well, we have that too. Yeah. I mean, 
or I work on this shift and we're the only shift that does anything. Yeah, days and, don't do anything. They just kiss yeah. babies and hold old, old ladies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Night shift, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. Yeah. It's where all the crime happens. Yeah. It's all the business is handled. Mm-hmm. I did work the nights. Nights were fun. <laughs> the nights were fun. I, yeah. If I, if I had to go back to the field, I would, I mean, I would do it gl- gladly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that the city's ready for me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to have some more diversity, tra- not diversity training, but more verbal judo uh, conversations. You know, Dana, there's, I don't think you there's, say there's that. a finite number of city attorneys. <laughs> you can't yes, keep them all busy uh, just well, for you, Dana. I don't know. I could certainly try. <laughs> um, I would you, go back to nights. You know that I applied with the police department before I did I, the fire department. So I, both you and, um, what's his face? Uh, Nelson or Moran? Moran. Moran. Yeah, Moran actually worked in a jail. Mm-hmm. A little cop wannabes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have made a terrible cop. No, you wouldn't have. You say that now because you've been on the fire department. Oh, yeah. But had you made it as a cop, you wouldn't well, have said that. But I also say that from... Your tolerance it, level now. Well, no. I, I say it from the lens of looking back and being a lot more self-aware than I was then. Sure. So... Yeah, I would, no, I would have been the cop that is like writing speed and tickets to grandma for going under the I speed limit. That. Yeah. But yeah, I would have been that guy. Things were different. Much different. Well, yeah. It was good and bad. Of yeah. all of it, right? Yeah. I still I, love the job. Um, and what I'm seeing now is... Speaking of losing people, we're seeing a huge number of people leaving, mm-hmm. like in droves. Yeah. Um, in fact, we had um, an academy recruit for another agency that was just offered a job, not even graduated from the academy, $85,000 starting off. To do, to do what? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. So that person gets that job. Now all the other recruits are thinking... I'm getting shot at, and I'm not even making 85. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yep. Well, I think whenever you talk about that, it comes down society-wise. Our professions are more of a calling and a career oh, yeah. than anything else. It and, should be. Yeah, it should be. And... I think people are just not, the younger generation are not growing up looking at it that way. Um, and I think on our side of it specifically, and again, not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but if you look at paramedics, right? Typically paramedics, the average time that they stay now is about seven years. Right. And then they're done and they move on to something else. Right. So it's but there's just a, a, a few job. factors on that. One, yeah. There, it, a lot of it's physical. Yeah. So. But. The way, Your retention periods. The re- retention periods. So like whenever I came on. Again, 17 years ago. Very rarely. Did you ever hear of someone. If they weren't pensioned off because they were hurt. 
or trying to collect a pension, you didn't really hear of people leaving no. the job. You didn't leave the job. You you stayed. You're at yeah. least you're twenty five. Yeah. And then, you know, most people would stay even past that. Sure. Now, stay as long as they could until they got kicked out. Exactly. And now it's like, okay, well, I can go get this job and make more money and grass is greener somewhere else. Exactly. And it's becoming more and more common. And that's, I mean, that's part of the, sure. you know, we've, we've kind of created that because we haven't kept up with, you know, the equality of pay. We're close. Know. I mean, the fire department, police department, we're getting, we're closer than we used to be. For, for other jobs outside of our sector. Sure. We haven't kept up where we need to be. To retain what we need. To retain what we need. So I will argue, I I agree with the fact that um, we're seeing officers leaving at five years. Right, four, five, six, seven years of service now. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people leaving now. And I think for them, you know, you and I became a passion for the job, the people. I truly have a passion to help people. I don't know how I got there. I don't know how I stumbled <laughs> across it. But it just, I grew into it, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I think some underlying talents were there. And I was able to cultivate it, but I chose to cultivate it, right? I chose to stay in it. Um, They came on at a time where police were idolized. Mm -hmm. And it was in the movies, and it was cool to be the thing to do. I'm going to go be a cop. I'm going to go be a cop. It's not cool to be a cop anymore. It's just not. So now that that's gone, they're having to rely on those skills and that passion. And if that passion, and those skills are not there, they're like, I'm out. I'm going to look somewhere else. Get that work-life balance. Bye. Because if your passion isn't there, your integrity isn't going to be there. Your, your retention isn't going to be there. You're not going to be there for the long run. So I, I don't know. I don't know what holds for the future for us. You got five more years with me and then I'm... Out and back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got at least, oh, yeah, an individual that I know has a, like, countdown, a classmate of mine. See, I don't like that. I think if you're starting to count down already, yeah, you're pretty much done. Yeah. Well, that's what, uh, who was it that said that? Oh, Michael Irvin, I think, mm-hmm. said that about uh, Aaron Rodgers. If you're thinking about retirement, then you're already retired. Just go ahead and leave. See, and my plan isn't so much the retirement. It's how can I help my cops? That way I can help them get better and be better. But I'm eventually going to have to go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is scary. Uh, It's, yeah. That's got to be scary. I mean, your your whole adult life. I know. You have been. I can't believe I've lasted this long. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, though, that's something that people need to think about. Right. What's the next step? What is the next step? And I was, we were supposed to have a guy on the show. He ended up having to cancel, but that was going to be the topic of conversation because he's, like, going to retire this year. You have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. Especially in our professions where you're so used to adrenaline, 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 
Even if you're in an office job, you still have, it's the job, it's, it's the awareness. Well, I mean, even besides that, it's the schedule. Yeah. The regimented every third day, I go do this. Yeah. I you have know, a plan. I have a, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. My schedule for the next however long. It's planned out. I know exactly what I'm doing. Right. And so I was, and I brought this up the other day. Um, you know who Tanya Glenn is, the therapist down in Texas. Mm-hmm. So she's written a bunch of books. And anyway, in one of the books, she's talking about this state trooper, Texas Ranger. I can't remember. Anyway, she used to see him all the time in some coffee shop or something. You know, hey, how you doing? That type of thing. Right. He was always fit, in shape, you know, good to go. Well, then she didn't see him for a little while. And then one day she bumped into him somewhere, coffee shop, whatever. Didn't recognize him. He was out of shape, dirty clothes, just looked terrible. Well, he had retired and yeah. had nothing to do. You know, these guys that go, oh, I'm just, I'm going to retire and I'm going to go travel. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to go travel. Okay, well, well that's what are you, fine. That's fine. What are you going to do next month? Right. Where are you traveling to? Do you already have your destinations picked out? Yeah. Do you have an idea of where you're going to be, when you're going to be? Yeah. I, I, the same thing, you know, I, I see coworkers and nothing against them. I, I just, I worry for them because, mm-hmm. I mean, again, you're doing the same thing over and over again. We've seen this script before. Yeah. It's not going to end well. No. Cups don't last long after retirement. It's been proven. If you don't have a plan, mm-hmm. we typically die within the first five years of retirement. You better have a plan. Well, that's a reason to become a fireman because we usually oh, last about 10 shoot. to 15. Yeah, because you get all those naps in between. <laughs> well, yeah, we're God. well, I, well, I can't even say that from a straight You're face. Not. <laughs> I was going to say we're well rested, but that ain't true. <laughs> no. Just because you're napping doesn't mean you're resting. Uh, no. And just because you have workout equipment doesn't mean you're working out. Or physically fit. Uh, yes, we know that. <laughs> so, you can give us a hard time about the jelly donuts, but <laughs> anyways. Anyways, yeah, um, but you have to have a plan. I, I mean, see so many coworkers, um, especially women. Again, I don't mean to harp on that topic, but they're like, yeah, I'm just going to take care of my grandkids. <laughs> have you not had enough babysitting <laughs> that you want to do it again for free oh. why I, you're talking to somebody own. who doesn't have kids so I, I, you I can't don't have mine I'm enjoying it well yeah now that they're 20 they wipe their own asses it's yeah. great 16 and 21 I will say this I have nieces and nephews and they are awesome yeah but you can give them back. Speaking of them, and maybe you can appreciate this since sure you have kids. I don't know. If your daughter's older, though. so. But had them over here the other night, and they sat down, and they're like, we want to do a podcast. So I'm like, okay. awesome. So I fire up the camera, record them talking. And, you know, it's the typical because they're like 12, 13. So Ooh, it's, that would be a good conversation. Yeah. Starts off, you know, typical 12, 13 years old, you know, Mm -hmm. just whatever they were talking about. And then my one niece brings up social media. I love it. And starts talking about how it's, you know, 
it's hard for body image and like people Huge. doing this stuff. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going right on. Keep going. Yeah. I mean, it was good for great. her. Good for yeah. her. And the other two started to chime in on it. And I'm like, they get it. Well, and what I like about that generation um, is that it is not. It's not just the girls. It's not male, female. It's not separate. Yeah. The males see it as much as the females do because they're exp- they're both experiencing it. Mm-hmm. It's the filters. They I, they were talking about the filters. It's like mm-hmm. catfishing people now. You know, I'm beautiful in this filter, but mm-hmm. when you take that filter off, I don't think I'm that pretty. Yep. Well, I don't think I'm gorgeous. <laughs> Damn, you sexy bitch. <laughs> What's your name? Oh, dang, my girl. Yeah. <laughs> However, I'm, I've had a little bit more time in this body working through those issues, and I did have that issue. It's just different, right? Yeah. Self-image for women is hard, and it is now for guys, too, because it's, you know, you're expected to, ha- you know, I, I'm sure they were talking about TikTok, not to get into what they were talking about, but, I mean, I see it. It's... Everybody wants to have that instant gratification of feeling desired and, and you know, the hard work and, and the body and the and the pants and the, you know, the dances and, and whatever. I'm glad they're struggling with it, but it's it's not a division. It's they're doing it together and they're coming up with solutions to it. It's going to be huge yeah. for that generation. Yeah. Well, and hopefully they can stay on that self-aware path. Yeah. Because, I mean, and that's what we... And self-acceptance, too. Yeah. Because that's the biggest piece of it. Well, and that's what we talked about. And they know, you know, that it's not real. Like, the expectations and what they're seeing, it, it's not reality. It's never been reality. Yeah. It's just now formed. So, when my daughter was young, um, I didn't realize it how much they picked up from commercials or TV shows until I started seeing her acting a little differently about how she perceived her body. And and we're talking really young. It was the, once you start paying attention, it was the commercials. Oh, look at me now. I lost 60 pounds. I'm beautiful. I'm young. I'm vibrant. Mm-hmm. You know, look at me. I took, I took a diet pill just to get, so it's not, I'm going to have a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. To be a healthy individual and physically fit, I took a pill. And I lost all this weight. Now, look, I'm a much better person. So we cut out, I cut out TV. I'm like, I'm done. We're not watching this crap. We'll watch Tom and Jerry. You can watch Tom and... So you taught them violence (laughs) that nobody gets hurt whenever somebody gets hit in the head with a 50-pound anvil. It's it's, it's horrible. (laughs) Fun. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, constant death between the two. Yeah. um, No, but I think there was... I don't know. It, I well, mean, good you for go them back. for having that opportunity. Oh, yeah. It was great. And then running with it. Yeah. I wish they'd do it more. No. Like actually start it and do it consistently. Open the door. Well, it's open. It's uh, open. You know, and that's that's always been my philosophy with my children and, and those that I mentor, or Girl Scouts, or anyone. I can open the door for you and present the options. You have to walk through that door. You have to make that conscious choice to walk through the door. 
I could talk your way through it, but you ultimately had to be the one to do it. So it's good that you gave him the opportunity. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun because I just got to sit behind the camera and listen to him talk and I feel their oats. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, and it was good to see. I it was good for me to see kids of that generation having those viewpoints. You know, of intelligent conversations. Yes. They let you into their world. Yes. That's awesome. So, yeah, I was really happy about well, that. Well, as soon as they published that first, that episode. Yeah, they got a, I told them, create a YouTube channel and I'll edit it and put it out for them. Yeah. I'll subscribe too. Of course, I'll be sitting here every time they do it. But. It's okay. <laughs> you can chaperone. It's good that they've got somebody they can lean on. Yeah, I bet you they'll come back to it. I hope so. I really do. Because, like I said, I mean, like the first... That's probably, a... Man, there's so many ways they could go with that, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it could be huge. I think it could be awesome and just good for them. Therapy. Yeah. Just to have the conversations. Yeah. Knowing that they don't have to hold it in. Yeah. That that's a big big deal yeah. and they don't have to have that uncomfortable conversation with their parents exactly. who don't understand yep I mean, my mom would never understand yep which Can't brings talk. us which brings us back to stigma of talking about feelings and mental health and <laughs> it Police all goes Department. back yeah. right i mean it is and it's you know and we talk about it on this podcast all the time of the stigma with law enforcement fire department military of seeking help or having feelings or you know any of that stuff and I think sometimes it maybe it gets lost a little bit that it's that's really society wide yeah I mean as just yeah as much as it city specific yeah you know this just transfer it's you change one one or two things it's the same yeah in every department it just looks a little different maybe yeah well in in society as a whole yeah you know, of, yeah, oh, you you see a therapist? What? You know, and pe- people look at you differently. I think it depends on the profession. So if, if you were, I could see doctors mm-hmm. be like, dude, come on. Yeah. You're a doctor. How do you not know? Yeah. Just because you're a doctor doesn't mean. <laughs> we won't even get into, we, we had a doctor on the show a while back. And his episode will be coming up soon. He was awesome. But, yeah, I mean, it's easy to, just through the lens of this podcast. Sure. Through our lens to forget that there are other professions that see just as much trauma. Absolutely. And that was one thing with having him on. He was an ER doc. And, you know, with us, we see a patient for this much time. Right. And then you leave. Then we leave. And then we're giving them to that guy. Who is now dealing with them for extended periods? Extended of time. periods of time. So, you know, it's one of those things of, well, yeah, I didn't really think about that. Right. It's too easy to get caught up in. I think I can't solve my problem of fixing it. As soon as I fix this part of it, maybe I can fix the next part, and then the next part, right? So it's that ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I fix it here. Maybe it'll ripple out and it'll it'll fix itself or the resources will be available. Right. It's it's I 
honestly never thought of it either. I'm too busy trying to teach my coworkers how can I help or support you? Can I get you into therapy or and it, it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. Well, People are you know, open. And I think that's and there's nothing wrong with that. And mm-hmm. I think it's because if you go back to almost tribalism, you're worried about your tribe first. Yep. And then once you get your tribe fixed, then you can start branching yeah. out. And you know, I think that's it's natural and there's only so much one person can do sure. at a time. I mean, everybody likes to I talk about... I can only about, roll that rock up the hill as fast as I can roll it. Yeah. And everybody wants to talk about multitasking and doing this and doing that. I think that's part of the problem is people aren't being present in the moment of what's happening right now and what's staring them in the face. They're yeah. worried about 10 minutes from now, 30 minutes from now, a year from now, or, you know, okay, well, I'm at home with my family, but I'm worried about what's going to go on tomorrow at work or, right. you know, something like that. And or it, a conversation that you just had yeah. that resulted in a conflict, you're still burned up about it. Yeah. Because you keep rehashing. It's like the shower conversations. You just keep having that conversation. You're just getting wound up all over again. Yeah. Oh, I still do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Those are the best conversations. You walk into work, you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Good hey, morning I'm, to you, too. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> or in my case, I'm ready to go to war with it because now I've thought everything through. And they're like, hey, I want to let you know I, I really appreciate you opening up. And, and I'm glad we got to resolve it. And I'm like, I, I had a 20-minute conversation ready to go. Yeah. Can you hear me out? They're yeah. like, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, and I saw... Um. Andy Stump on the Clear Hot, Cleared Hot podcast, he mm-hmm. had uh, Rob Bailey and Dana Bailey on the show with him. And they were talking about that. And his viewpoint, Rob Bailey's viewpoint was, you know, whenever you do that, whenever you let that little thing or whatever that happened and you keep just replaying it over, you're giving that person free rent in your mind. Yeah. And I can, I would <laughs> bet you all of the gold... King Solomon's Mines or whatever, that person has not thought about nope. it, not for a half a second after nope. it happened. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Stop paying into their... Stop it. Yeah. Just Bob Newhart. Stop it. Yes. But it's... Sometimes we do it, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It it happens. You know. It's kind of fun sometimes to have those conversations. You're like, oh, if you, I swear, if you don't tell me good morning, oh, it's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And this is going to happen, and then that's going to happen, oh, and then it's going to go like this. That's exactly how I'm going to say it, yeah. too. <laughs> kind of like Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> With this episode, you know what I'm talking about, where his mom gives him permission to cuss? You uh-uh. tell her, I told you. She, he gets sent, well... I won't take up your valuable time, but he had mm-hmm. sent home and the teacher made a comment and mm-hmm. the mother gives him permission. You tell her that I said, so he goes up to his room and he's allowed to cuss, right? He goes up <laughs> to his room. He's practicing what he's going to say. <laughs> so when he actually gets the opportunity to get there, he brings out all these other words that he was not given mm-hmm. the permission to say. So, but yeah, you, you get rolling into that 
that conflict. And it, it feels good, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have to release that pressure somehow, mm-hmm. whether it's from that situation, from another, that feeling, the yeah. hurt, the anger. You get rolling in it. I'm staying in that present moment. I'm not moving past it. Yeah. Get out of it. Gotta yeah. get out of it. Well, what it. was the present moment is now the past. And you're yeah. wrapped up in that. And you're. Can't change like, it. Yeah. And I think, like, the technical term is cycling or something mm-hmm. like that. That you know that's yeah you just keep rehashing and rehashing and rehashing and it's not good and it's detrimental ultimately to your own mental health so now if you were to uh, there is some research and i'll go sideways on it um to do mental repetition reps of situations right like a training thing yeah i'm walking into quick trip I'm going to go get a drink. This happens. This happens. Okay. Now I'm going to go back and, and replay. That's completely different. Yeah. That, that Yeah. That's not what we're talking about at all. That's up, getting wrapped mm, up in the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again with the Aquanet. Yeah. No ozone. There's no ozone. Just straight up. Oh my God. It's good stuff. Well. <laughs> We always do that. Yeah. I will say this has actually, I think, been the shortest. It's We're only at an hour and 48 yeah, the minutes. the first time was almost three hours. Yeah. It's a lot of conversation yeah. on that one. And I had to cut some of it a out. A lot of it out. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot. Only like seven minutes. But still. There was, was a long conversation that we had that was... Yeah. I'm game. Whatever. Yeah. So, you know what's coming up on Saturday? What's that? I will be riding for Bike MS 100 miles. Oh, is that it already That's again? Saturday, yeah. And then Whoa. 36 on Sunday. I know. 100, 136 miles. That's... uh be 3,000 for the season from February to October 1st. 3,000 miles on a bicycle. That, that sounds terrible. Talk about... Um, Shower conversations, mm-hmm. that's the best way of getting up a hill. <laughs> having those conversations in your head solo at four o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh. Oh, why are you, okay, well, let's talk about that. Safety-wise, why are you riding your bike at four o'clock in the morning in the dark, probably oh. on the street too? Yes. Well, it's a road bike. I don't um, care. I have lights. I don't care. I have plenty of lights, so it's actually safer to ride in the morning with less traffic than it is to ride in the afternoons when everybody's out. Okay, I will give you that, that it may be. However, I have come very close with nature on many occasions. Yeah. A lot of nope kitties out there. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was, this has been a long time ago, but I was riding my motorcycle to the station. Oof. Deer. Possum. Oh, yeah, I've had one. Yeah, and I had a sport bike at the time, thank God. <laughs> Would have been creamed. I, yeah, slammed on the brakes, back oh, tire came up. Elbows and buttholes. Yeah. And <laughs> it went, it went so along ugly in front of me too. like it was from New York. <laughs> I'm walking here. <laughs> kind of like in the, uh, what is it, with Sandra Bullock, the movie. Miss Congeniality, where she was walking out into traffic and 
a car comes up and she's like, I'm gliding over here. <laughs> so uh, last Saturday I was riding to our bike shop to go out on a 50 mile ride with the team mm-hmm. and uh, riding, I see a, <laughs> I've got my headphones on, but I can, they're bone conduction so I can actually hear traffic around me. So I see a, a raccoon off to the side he slowly starts to go in front of my path. And I'm like, okay, by the time he, by the time I get near him, he'll be on the other side of the yellow line. Mm-hmm. No, no. Oh, he's hanging out. No, no, no. He turns around and comes back. His <laughs> nose, and I'm screaming on a bike. His nose hits the back of my tire. Just, and he's like, what? And I'm like, did that seriously just happen? Oh, yeah. Didn't take me out nothing it's just it was like the creepiest thing like how do you not see me coming on the road i don't understand it it's you know obviously his parents didn't teach him how to look both ways he needs to look both ways yeah. i don't know the screaming should have given him yeah. clues and i bet there wasn't even a raccoon crossing sign there <laughs> i know where that's going <laughs> there is that call where she's oh, like i don't even understand why you would put a crossing sign right yeah, there yeah yeah no 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 I've had some deer come in front of me a couple of times. Yeah, I've ran, ran several of those calls, actually. Motorcycles versus deer. <sighs> They're not it, pretty. It never ends well. Car versus deer, either one. Yeah. They're bad. Yeah. Just floor it. Yeah. Makes it well, splatter this, more. The one that I ran was on the highway, and it was, oh, oh like 11 o'clock at night or something. Dude on a big, like... 1983 Honda Goldwing. I mean, it's a tank of a bike. Windshield, no windshield. Oh yeah, yeah. Full front fairing. I mean, it's a it's yeah. a big bike. Yeah. And he hit that deer mid body, <sighs> split the deer in half. <laughs> bike goes down. The only thing wrong with him was he had a broken ankle. But did he have a helmet on? Yeah, but let let it's me better. Let oh, me just geez. clarify, okay, for all of you people out there who are so enamored with this helmet law and or not wearing a helmet or whatever, here's the deal. At 80 miles an hour- Your nugget's not going to make it. it, it it's not. The, those helmets, it's a false sense of protection. It is. You're going to be more fucked up. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to argue. I don't have the statistics. I don't have the research behind it. So a helmet is super effective in a low-speed crash. Super effective. On a highway, it's debatable. Because I think it depends on, on how the accident happens. It does. Sure. Um, if you, and the body landing and all that. Yeah. If, you, right? if the bike lays down and you're with it and can kind of kick away, you'll just slide. Yeah. You're not going to bang your head. No. Now, if you hit something and go over the handlebars, a helmet is not going to save you. You're probably going to break your neck. Sure. So, and it it doesn't matter wearing a helmet or not. I have ran that call, dude, head on. I really want to oppose you, but I have no, I I have nothing. Yeah. I'd rather just just, see people wear um, helmets. That's like seatbelts too. I mean, I get seatbelts are going to cause damage, but just put the seatbelt on. So seatbelts, I think, are a different, that's a different animal. Um, 
I'm full. I'm fully in support of seatbelts. I would hope so. Dang. So, but helmets. I think that boils down to a personal choice. You want an open casket or a closed casket? <laughs> That's horrible. I'm just, I know. I get either look, way I'm, though. I'm, sometimes I'm saying that even though you lens. have a helmet, it's not going to guarantee because we've seen decapitations with heads mm-hmm. and helmets too. So I'm looking at it through, and this is my own personal perspective. I'm looking at it through my lens of being a motorcycle rider for going on 30 years and calls that I've ran. No, thanks. I've seen them be effective. I've seen them it not matter. Sure. Sure. So it it's totally dependent on the type of accident and what happens. And the factors, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of factors that are not in your control. Seatbelts are a different story. Seatbelts, you know, even in a 20 mile an hour collision, you can get thrown all around that car and can cause a bunch more injuries, if not even death. Well, ejections too. Yeah. If you're wearing your seatbelt, that's not going to happen. Sure. Sure. Your, Your likelihood for injury is a lot less. Yeah. So, and then with airbags the way they are and I mean, all of that stuff. Yes. Fully in support of that. Right. And there's a lot of science behind it. So the helmet thing, though, that's a, I boil that down to, it's a personal preference. So. Jeez. I just, I know it's a big deal right now. A lot of people, it's, it's riding season mm-hmm. right now. So mm-hmm. hopefully just a lot less people out on the roads on motorcycles <laughs> soon. Makes me nervous for people. Um, yeah, I don't I mean, honestly, so I see, you, we've all been in rush hour traffic or traffic period, and you know people are on their phones. Mm-hmm. It's bad enough people are on their phones, and it's a ton of equipment. Yeah. To well, protect. And, and that's what I was going to say is typically, and I can't even say that because I just ran a motorcycle wreck like a month ago where it was clearly the motorcycle rider's fault because sure. he was being a jackass. And luckily he didn't hit anybody but himself and he was I'll tell you about it afterwards but because <laughs> it, it was hilarious I mean okay I'll stop um stop digging that yeah fo- that I'm, I'm gonna, with the fork <laughs> yeah yeah oh I was getting ready to pull the backhoe up and just um most of the motorcycle accidents that I've ran on the job have not been caused by the motorcycle rider right it is typically by In a attention. car in someone being inattentive driving, running a red light, sure. being high. Yeah, but yeah that's, that's, that's huge the worst right now. motorcycle record. That's the most, the worst motorcycle wreck that I ever ran was a guy that was high driving a car, ran a red light. Well, we're going to start seeing more of that now with the open yeah. weed. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. We had one <laughs> going to work. Mm hmm pulled into the parking lot right behind me and I'm like you know I saw you at the stoplight smoking the weed I can smell it mm-hmm. I'm a cop I'm like a dog mm-hmm. oh yeah you're in a I, I police gotta... parking lot please put the weed out stop smoking the weed in front of me mm-hmm. at least yeah I got a great story remind me I'll tell you after <laughs> turn it off about that so um, but yeah I, it's it's just one of those things where right. 
and I'm not saying all motorcycle riders yeah. are like super like whatever because we know they're not. I mean, right. you got jackasses out Everybody there. Everybody makes a mistake. Yeah, it's just from my perspective, what I have seen most of the time, they're not the ones that cause the accident. Right. So, yeah. I mean, if it makes you feel better, wear it. You're on a motorcycle. It's like a death trap anyways. Shut your there. dirty pirate hooker <laughs> mouth. I'm going to punch you in the ovaries. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. The, the insults. My, did you, oh, yeah. Did you touch my drumstick? <laughs> oh, cops is on. They don't come on till 430. <laughs> The whole movie. I And I haven't seen the movie in forever. I need to watch it again. Oh, it's a great movie. Well, it's one of those movies where, I'll be honest, the first time I watched it, I was like, uh, Oh, no, I, I loved like it the it. first time. I had to watch it two or three times. And then it's, okay, this is... It's pretty funny. Yeah, I like this. Hookers and Blow. Yeah. It's all about Hookers <laughs> and Blow. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great movie. Oh. Anyway... Always great conversations with you. Yeah. Dana, I'm glad that you came back on the show. You know, <laughs> you're, our, you're our first three-time guest. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. I'm honored so, to be here. Congratulations. Your your plaque is in the mail. Oh, I'll hold my breath for that yeah. one. It's got a donut on it. Yeah. Uh, it should. Yeah. <laughs> Just like those one donuts yeah. that we sent to that one place. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. And with that, uh, if you are having a problem... Don't be afraid to reach out. There are resources out there. If you know someone that is having mm-hmm. a problem, do not be afraid to reach out. Show them that you give a shit. And let them know what resources are available. Um, yeah, so thanks for stopping by and have a good one. <laughs>